The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Coach, in your career, have you ever been involved in a game like this before where it almost appeared like you had to win the game twice? Can you recall anything like this I in your like career? I died and, and woke up and died again, and I was like a cat. I had multiple lives tonight. All I keep saying is I just want to win. So who cares if it's ugly or pretty? I, I, I do not care. We won the game. I'm celebrating that. That's the only thing that matters. Like they say here, just win, baby. Indeed they did. The Las Vegas Raiders properly christening their new home. The first regular season game with fans. Prime time. Monday night football. And they did it the right way. It was the ultimate Las Vegas show. It had twists. It had turns. It had ups. It had downs. It had an ending. It had an ending that... That really wasn't the ending. And then you stick around for more, and you think it's going to be a bad ending. And then it ends up suddenly being a good ending. It was amazing. It was awesome. And I'm so happy for Raiders fans because, look, at at one time or another, I'm accused of hating every team in the NFL because, God forbid, I will say out loud the things that fans of each team should be concerned about. It is proper. It is fitting. It is just. It is fair. It is football. For the fans who show up for the first game at a new stadium played by their team to enjoy a victory. That's that's the way it should be. Uh, the way it played out last night was exactly the way it should be. Even if the Raiders don't win another game this year, that was the game to win. That was the night to celebrate properly showing up at the new stadium. And hello, Chris. Welcome back. Hey, Mike. Thanks a lot, man. Good to see you. Uh, I, yeah, I'm with you. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun to watch. I, I give the Raiders a lot of credit. I mean, they overcame a lot of obstacles in this football game. Yeah, first game in the home stadium. You know, I heard John Gruden talk about, like, Baltimore is, like, one of the worst teams you could start the season off with. No doubt about it. You know, so they took a little while to find their footing, but then make the comeback. And, and really, I mean – had a fourth and one stop down there in the red zone. Uh, and, and of course, then the end of the game, everything there, it was just, uh, it was. It was a lot of fun to watch. I give John Gruden and, and Derek Carr a lot of credit for just hanging in there and being gutsy against a, a Baltimore team that we're kind of used to seeing them win those type of football games somehow, some way. So uh, good sign for the Las Vegas Raiders. Stat of the night, under John Harbaugh in the regular season, the Ravens had been 81-0. and when leading by 14 points. yeah. The only other time they lost from up 14 was in the playoffs against the Patriots. Remember, they were up 14 points two different times. That was the game with the know the rules that that may or may not have laid the foundation for the other rules being broken. Right, yeah. Different issue (laughs) altogether. It was the fourth quarter in overtime that was so damn compelling. 33 points on 11 drives in the fourth quarter in overtime by the two teams. And it got really nutty when Brian Edwards makes the catch that makes us believe the game is over. Beautiful catch, stopped for the ball, reached out, 
You could tell the official kind of hesitated for a nanosecond. But he said, you know what? I'm not calling this anything other than a touchdown. That's why we have replay review. And that, that is why we have replay review. They, they were hugging. They it were jumped off sides. And then this happened. And then third and goal. The missile through the hands of yeah. Willie Sneed popped up in the air and picked off. Wow. And then the pass rush. Fumble the number two. All night long. Second fumble. There it is. Raiders get back. And then there was that weird confusion. On second and nine, they decided, screw it, we're going to kick the field goal. Nobody told and the kicker they, they were going to kick Daniel the field Carlson, goal. Daniel Carlson, and they ran out of time. Yeah. So they get pushed back five yards. And then, And boom. they say, oh, what the hell? All-out blitz by the Ravens. Marlon Humphrey pulls up. Let Zay Jones catch it. I don't know. I joked last night. Yeah. I joked last night that Humphrey stopped to make sure Jones was so wide open that maybe he'd drop it. But that was... That was something. Look at that, Chris. Yeah. I can't even make that out. Win probability chart all over the place. Like an EKG of a of uh, somebody who had uh, you know been eating uh, bacon by the fistful every day for 30 years. <laughs> well, I hope that my EKG might look like that one day. Uh-oh. That's not good. Uh, it really was. It, it was an amazing end you know, of events there. Get to, you know, Win the game, you think. Review it, you're short. Quarterback sneak, not get in. Rookie right tackle, jump off sides. Third down, throw a ball, car under pressure, so he puts a little too much mustard on the football. I think the guys on the telecast kind of said it the right way. You know, he went to the right place, but, you know, we've had these conversations with a little Trey Lance. Sometimes, and I thought Brian Greasy explained it right, those short routes, you got your head turned, now you turn back to look at the quarterback, and you don't have a lot of time sometimes to locate the ball. And if the ball's thrown like a rifle, which it was there, you know, it went through his hands, uh, uh, Sneed's hands. And I think Sneed would say, like, man, I, I, Willie Sneed, I should catch that. But that, that was tough. I mean, how you know it's tough is the ball went through the hands and the defender behind him still couldn't even react and the ball went off his head. So you know the ball was thrown hard just from that, you know, standpoint. But uh, the Ravens, I mean, you know, I, a lot of credit to the Raiders the Ravens there. I don't know, Mike. Let me just ask you this. The last play of the game there. Would you go all out blitz like that? Or would you kind no. of like, yeah, I, I, was a little, I was a little surprised by that. I'd want to see the kicker make the field goal and have the pressure to do that. I wouldn't have let them off the hook. And the Raiders consistently all night showed they had answers for the all out blitz. I mean, the whole second half, I mean, every big play, the Ravens, all-out blitz, and they got gashed a bunch of times. So I was a little surprised that the, the Ravens went that route. But as you see right there, Derek Carr was schooled well. You know, Gruden had answers for the Baltimore Ravens defense once they settled in and figured out what to do. And every time the Ravens blitzed, they gashed them for the most part. I mean, we're not used to seeing the Ravens give up those type of yards, get dominated at the line of scrimmage, completions all over the place. And guess what? I think it's a sign to come for the Baltimore Ravens. Wouldn't be shocked that they blow another 14-point lead at some point during the year with the current status of their team. And we'll focus more on what went wrong for the Ravens last night, but on that specific play, Chris, Next yeah. Gen Stats says the Ravens sent eight pass rushers only the second time a defense has done so in overtime since 2016. Gruden said, we knew they were going to all-out blitz. That's what right. they do. Right. And the Humphrey thing, it's not a good look to just give up it's not a good look at all if you bust your butt because that ball hung in the air maybe you can trip him up and and they have another first and goal where you can stop them again from scoring you never know what's going to happen if you keep that guy from scoring it's just not a good look it may not have made a difference it may not have mattered at all we just like to see athletes hustle all the way through to the end of the play if he had kept going he could have tackled him inside the five, Chris. I don't Am think I wrong? so. No, I think you are wrong there. Yeah, I do. I think he's. He, I think he was out of it. You know, once he got bumped there at the line of scrimmage, I, I do. I think he was too far behind. I mean, I hear you though. You know, yeah, he should. He he's probably going to look at that today, Marlon Humphrey, and go, damn, I, I should hustle in the end. Like you said, you never know. What if Zay Jones trips and falls at the two yard line too? You want to touch him down? 
he gets that. I, I'm not going to get too hard on Marlon Humphrey, though. He's the best player on their defense. I mean, they ask more of him than any other corner in football. I mean, you saw it last night, right? All, all I ask is try. I know. I hear With you. With the game on the line, that's all I, I ask. He, he tried, I don't he, care what else they ask I, for. I, I ask it. for try. I get it. I don't think it really mattered at all there, so let's not get too caught up in the weeds there, though. I was, that was going to be a touchdown. you've no got to what. admit it's a bad look. It's, it's a, a bad, bad look. look. It is. It's not a it's Ravens a type look. of look. It's definitely not. It's not a Marlon Humphrey type of look. I will stick up for him just because of the football player, as hard as he plays, the hustle. That was him last night giving you that look. I know, so I know. Now. But, you know, there was also – wait, hold on. Let me check. There was also 79 other plays where he whooped butt. <laughs> so I got to give him a little credit for him that too. Right. <laughs> the, the, the Raiders really uh, were resilient. Yeah. And, I, look – I, I thought that, that Derek Carr was off target on plenty of throws. Now, sure. he still completed 66% of his passes. But the misses were not like drops or close. There were some where Darren Waller got a hand on it. and There, there was one where Darren Waller reached back and got a hand on a play where he was open. Even though they had three guys around him, they Bermuda triangled him, yeah. and he still was able to have the ball come his way. And he reached back, and it caromed off his hand. And, and you can see Derek Carr doing the get two hands on it. How do you expect him to get two hands on it when he's running one yeah, direction, the ball's behind him? He's not going to get the other hand up there. You've got to put the ball where he is, not where he's got to use that incredible catch radius. And that catch radius is the kind of thing that bails out an inaccurate passer because there were multiple catches last night that were too high for a normal target, but not for Darren Waller because he's got those long arms that he throws in the air yeah. and makes those catches. No, I know. I mean, he's the star of their football team. I mean, Darren Waller that is. I mean, I mean, what was it, 19 targets? That that's yes. that's insanity and the membranity, okay? That really is. You don't see that very often. I mean, that's like uh, that just shows you, shows you how talented the guy is. And you you know, Mike Mike, I'll echo you there. Yeah, he was a little off target early, but again, you know, you, you don't play in the preseason. So that, there's that aspect. And then, like we just talked about a little, the Ravens' defense is not exactly, like, the easiest team to settle into the season with, to start. Like, oh, hey, let's play the Ravens. I mean, it's controlled chaos when you play the Ravens, which is going to lead to, you know, balls being dropped, balls being a little off target, especially when you've been through training camp. And I don't care how much you practice the Ravens' blitzes and everything like that, because I know Gruden, Gruden's going to, uh, that we're going to be obsessed with all those blitz packages, but I do think that's what led them to be off target a little bit. Once they got down fourteen nothing, though, then it was it was really a different game from that that point on. And really, the Ravens had no answers for the Raiders from that point on. The Raiders moved the ball after being down fourteen nothing at will on the Baltimore Ravens defense the whole game. I mean, would have scored another, you know, got more points in the second half, go, you know, going forward on the fourth and short down there in the, the Ravens area. So uh, I'm, I'm, Derek Carr played good, and that's a gutsy performance against a tough scheme. You know, you got a new offensive line, and you saw the, the, like, the general at work there. Again, and I know Brian Greasy talked about it because, you know, Greasy, like me, we've, we've been through the John Gruden experience. And once he gets his hands on you long enough – Hey, he's going to teach you how to – he's going to give you answers for every blitz, every coverage. And here's, you know, another all-out blitz, no safety in the middle of the field, very similar to what we saw with the final touchdown. But, you know, I thought Derek Carr was pretty decisive, tough in the pocket throughout the night, knew what the Ravens defense was trying to do, and made a lot of high-level throws and really, um, you know, of course, was a big reason why they won the football game. When he beats you on that all-out blitz once and you use it again with the game on the line, aren't yeah. you basically saying to the guy, we don't trust you, we don't respect you, we don't think you can deliver? I, like Baltimore, you mean? Like they're saying that yes. to him? I, yeah. I think. But, you know, it's a little bit in Baltimore and Wink Martindale's DNA. Like when their back's against the wall, they're a little bit like, we're, we're coming and we're going to see how you handle pressure because we're used to pressure for, on our side. We don't care. And we're going to make you make the play. We're not going to like let your offense scheme up something and stress our zone coverage and have a three-on-two in a little short area. So, I, you know, I, again, I don't know how Wink Martindale could think, hey, we don't think you'll deliver after Derek Carr burned that all-out blitz a whole bunch of times. 
you know, especially there in the fourth quarter. And there you see the stats kind of justify that seven for amazing numbers. Whoa, amazing. Exactly. And I think that's even more reason to why you go, well, I don't know why they all out blitz there at the end. I mean, I understand they're trying to make something happen, maybe get them deeper in field goal position, have to kick a deeper field goal. Um, but but either way, Carr and, and Gruden showed that they had all the answers for these blitzes as the game went on, and they were not affected by it, and he knew exactly where he wanted to go. Put a pin in that yeah. graphic that we just saw, because it leads to a theory, it leads to a take that I have more as it relates to the Ravens' offense, but it ties back to the defense. Let's hold that for now, though, because before we get off of David Carr or Derek Carr, or Derek, they know they know who we mean. Let's hear from Derek, not David Carr, on last night's victory that properly christened Allegiant Stadium. You know, what's funny is I said after ESPN after the game, I was like, it feels like my career. It's just <laughs> it's like, yes, crap. <laughs> I was like, gosh, dang. <laughs> um, you know, but you know, we we won the game, man. You know, and it, it feels so good. So especially to win the first one, we won. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, let's. Uh, we should to add that to my career winnings, Josh. Probably add that one tonight. That one will help. Uh, it, I was just waiting for Josh to say something. You know, I was kidding. I love you, man. I hope you know that. I, I enjoy it. You're just so negative, but I love you. Uh, 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 oh, that's great. That's, that is uh, great. I, I bet. I bet that's one of the many. Twitter accounts that Derek Carr has blocked. That was really good, though. Don't give that. He's moving into Gruden. He showed what he is. He is. That's exactly right. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's becoming John yeah. Gruden. Yeah, he really is. After you love you. I love you, this man. Is I love you, Season man. four, he's <laughs> yeah. becoming, he is becoming John Gruden. He is. I mean, he is, and that's what Gruden wants. Gruden wants mini Gruden to play quarterback for the football team, except he wants a guy that's got more talent than Gruden to, to play the position, certainly. But, you know, hey, listen, we want to see edge from Derek Carr sometimes and things like, you know, things like that. Crap. I've said yes, it twice the, already yes, here. That's all right. All right. Right, but we want to see that. And hey, there's a little edginess for you. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. Derek Carr has definitely changed his attitude, his leadership style the last few years. I don't ever have the sense anymore. Like at the end of football games, when Derek Carr gets the ball, I go, "There's a good chance they're going to go down and score a touchdown." Uh, you could say what you want. You can be a hater and everything like that. I'm not talking about you, just people in general. That, But we saw last year him answer the bell a whole bunch of times. Of course, Kansas City and some other games. But, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a really good performance. And their offense is going to be tough to handle. I mean, they got weapons. I mean, we, you know, we just got to see Henry Ruggs still not popping. I mean, the fact that they're talking about Brian Edwards and, and, and players like that more than they are the top 15 pick from last year is a little concerning. But still, Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs, Waller, uh, it's a still pretty good group, and especially with Hunter Renfro working the slot. Yeah, Ruggs had some moments where he definitely didn't look like the first receiver taken in the 2020 draft, right. but he did make a, a key catch late and uh, redeemed himself a little bit. I yeah. thought he was seriously injured when he went down on that one play. Remember when it looked like there was interference, but it yeah. was like his calf gave out? I thought he was not going to be back in the game, so he was back, and he did contribute. But Brian Edwards, Zay Jones, Darren Waller. Darren Waller with 19 targets only four times last year. Did a player have 19 or more targets in a game? They were going to him all night. I remember early they showed seven targets, and I just thought it was a typo on the graphic. But he was up to seven. Like, still in the first quarter, he was at seven, 19 for the game. Uh, and, and I should have predicted. I wasn't quite sure what accent Derek Carr was going to use because sometimes you get a little country from Derek Carr. But I, but I, I, I knew it was going to be guns out for Derek Carr. It always is guns it out always for Derek is. Carr. The sun's out. Always guns oh, out. Sun's out, guns out, always. So, or when the sun's not out. Yeah. Moon's out. Gun's out. Yes. Nothing's out. Cloud's out. Gun's <laughs> out. Uh, Derek Carr, and and Pete has mentioned this to me, he's he's taken the font and made it like 28 point in the outline, so I say this. There, he's doing it again. Carr has a league-high 22 fourth-quarter comebacks since 2014. That was his rookie year. Yeah. Matthew Stafford is second at 21. Here's why I don't like that stat. Yeah. Because this used to be the, the counter, the narrative that Tony Romo always screws something up late. And he eventually got past that. But the counter was, well, he's got umpteen fourth quarter comebacks. So that narrative is really not true. The problem is the fourth quarter is 15 minutes long. So if you're down three and your offense scores a touchdown, the first three minutes – 
of the fourth quarter, that counts as a fourth quarter comeback. In my mind, it doesn't. In my mind, it's the last five minutes. Yeah, I hear That's you. the stat I want to see. Right. I don't care if you took the lead for good with three minutes left or three minutes in to the fourth quarter. I care whether or not you took the lead for good with just a few minutes left in the game. Yeah, I, I understand. There is a, definitely a difference there to taking. But, but uh, I would say I don't think the Raiders were holding 12-minute leads later in the fourth quarter too, Mike. I would bet you a lot of those comebacks are closer to what you're saying than the Raiders taking the lead with 12 minutes left and that great Raiders defense we've seen over the last six years stop them. So, you know, I, I think you got to give them credit at that. But you're right, the stat is flawed from that standpoint, 100%. Um, but – Hey, Raiders, offense, looked good, had a lot of answers, explosive plays, not even 100% healthy Josh Jacobs, a new offensive line finding their way. And I think maybe like the, 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 the brightest spot, and I don't want to change the subject, I haven't even literally looked at our rundown, just the defense in general, right? I mean, the defense, I think, was the shocker almost as much as, you know, Carr moving the ball and the Ravens once they got their, their feet underneath them. But the defense really going down 14 nothing from that standpoint or that point on, I mean, they really controlled the football game for the most part too. I mean, it's other than Lamar Jackson magic runs and like one or two throws that led to the one touchdown drive for the Ravens in the second half. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about with the Ravens on the offensive side of the ball. So Gus Bradley, another guy, new addition to that team, who invented the Seattle scheme. Gus Bradley invented the Seattle scheme up there with Pete Carroll. And you could see it came through for them last night. And, and, and uh, they're, they're going to be a different team on defense. Not saying they're going to be great, but I don't think they're going to be a pushover this year. One thing that was palpable if you watched the game last night, it never shows up on the stat sheets. On both sides of the ball, yeah. it was physical. It was. There were hits. Hits. Whether it was in the open field whether it was in the scrum, it was a physical game. And it at was. one point I thought, maybe 17 games really isn't a good idea. <laughs> you can't play 17 games like last night. And maybe it's a primetime game thing, but we saw that, that extreme effort by the Cowboys on Thursday night, the 58 passes. We have said clearly that is not sustainable. And, of course, that riles up some of the folks on Twitter who think you can just dial up 60 passes a game and it's going to have no adverse physical effects on the person throwing 60 passes a game. And the hitting last night, that's not sustainable either, Chris. Guys are not going to make it the full season if they hit like that every single game. There was some serious old-school hitting going on last night. Legal, yeah, but, but very significant and impactful yeah i mean the game is crazy right now we just got more fast people big people training all year long i got my personal trainer i know how much grams of protein and fat i'm gonna eat every day and that's where the game has become insane even from compared to when i played I mean, 12 years ago it, it's jumped up another level and hey, we know the ravens right they're gonna be physical that that's their mo we know that it's one thing about like John Gruden. I don't think he always gets credit for it. Gruden's teams have been generally physical football teams. Maybe they're not always good enough to really present that over the last few years. But hey, it's about pounding the rock, running the football, you know. And then the defensive side of the ball, hey, that that you know he does have a like we talked about maybe with Kyle Shanahan. They they want guys that don't hesitate, and I do respect that about the Raiders. We've seen them get a lot of hitting matchups with the Chiefs last year and some other teams where you go, well, they don't back down from anybody. And when you know Gruden's a psycho, and Gus Bradley, a defensive coordinator, he's a psycho. And then your special teams coach slash assistant coach Rich Bisaccia, he's a psycho. Yeah, they bring out the psychoness in their football players to where it's just it's 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 balls to the wall. And that's all there Hang is on. to it. Sorry, I guess I shouldn't Hang say on. that one. Sorry, London. I don't know about that Hang one. Hang on. I might have crossed the line there. So rain me Hang in, Mike. Well, Hold on there, horsey. Okay, that's, I won't say that again. <laughs> first of all, I think it's to the wall, not on the wall. Oh. But uh, but, but, but regardless. <laughs> I don't even know what I said. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's only you, only you would have a simsism embedded within a wholly inappropriate statement but i want to go back a little farther than that right to psychoness because yeah. i got a feeling <laughs> yeah 
It's Chris Sims' Accidental Scholar with psychoness. <laughs> we will be checking that one Good. for Good. further review. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, that, that's the attitude that they want, but you have to have the right players. Yeah. And the asterisk on last night's game, hey, great, you got the win. Cleveland Farrell, fourth overall pick, 2019. A healthy scratch. Another indictment of the drafting that they've done in recent years. Now, that's balanced out by Max Crosby, sure. a guy they got right. late in the draft that year, who's far better than Cleland Farrell. Yeah. But with that fourth overall pick, I mean, we can pull up the 2019 draft. They could have gotten uh, a lot better player than what Cleland Farrell has turned out to be. And, uh, uh, hey, Mike Mack, I saw him on the sideline last night watching the game. They don't make the playoffs this year. He's going to get the blame for everything that's gone wrong with the players that they don't have. And Gruden's going to take the credit for what they're doing now that is working. And they're 1-0, and and you know what? So is everybody else in the division. So it's a push through week one. Now, they beat the Ravens. It's not like they beat some cupcake, but, but they're 1-0, and and so are the Chiefs, and so are the Chargers, yep. and so are the Broncos. But they have to feel good about themselves coming out of that game yeah they have to 100 percent. you know you, you executed at a pretty high level against a complicated controlled chaos defense the offensive line you know that was a big question mark right they were pretty good they really were you know run game and pass game you know i mean they just ran the ball to kind of keep them at bay to a degree we saw the ravens players at the line of scrimmage like that it wasn't the game that you were going to be able to run a lot with eight and nine people at the line of scrimmage all the time that's going to be a work in progress we'll see where that goes but i do think just overall the fight of the team you know a clutch win like that and then the defense looking the way it did is certainly something to build on you know gus bradley is going to have that defense you know play at a, a higher level being more sound I don't think you're going to see them bust coverages a whole lot, you know, or make mistakes. And I think that's the encouraging thing too, you know, for this this uh, Las Vegas Raiders team too, because you know when you get a healthy Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake in the backfield with Waller, and you know Renfro, and we can get Rugs going, and of course Edwards looks like he's going to go here. They're going to be tough to match up. Gruden's playbook is certainly diverse enough to use all those weapons. And uh, they got enough weapons there that are going to be hard to, to just say, oh, we'll play them man-to-man. Um, so th- they do have something to build on here. We'll see. It's tough, div- tough division, tough conference, but we'll see how it goes. You know what their reward is for winning on Monday night. You know what they get next, don't you? No, Short I didn't. Short week, even... cross-country at the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ooh. a rekindling of one of the great rivalries of the 70s. And, you know, in recent years – while the Raiders have struggled and the Steelers have been good, you get Raiders at Steelers, and the Raiders play them tough. I remember your guy Bruce Gradkowski yeah, going right? in there, Pittsburgh right. native, and beating the Steelers at a time when the Raiders weren't very good, and he took the Steelers down at Heinz Field. So I'm not going to assume that it's going to be Steelers whitewash, but I, I tell you what, that's a, that's a tall order. The way they played last night – and playing an extra six minutes, yeah. a physical overtime session on Monday night, turning it around for Sunday on the road from Las Vegas all the way to Pittsburgh, that's not going to be an easy task for the Raiders to get to 2-0, and Chris. No, no, it will not. I think there's two things, though. Hopefully Gruden and the Raiders spent a little time during preseason and training camp getting ready for the Steelers to a, de- to a degree to have a little base of the game plan. And the other thing I'll just say that's a good thing for them Steelers defense is controlled chaos too, just like Baltimore. Not exactly the same scheme, but again, it's lots of pressures, different looks on the back end, and that's where it will help. It will help the Raiders, the fact that they got to play the Ravens and deal with a lot of different looks uh, and now go to the Steelers to where, you know, again, the Steelers didn't blitz a lot, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, against the Buffalo Bills, but I don't think that's going to hold true for long. They're they're still going to be a pressure defense when when they want to put pressure on an offense and the quarterback. We will next see the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday Night Football on NBC Uh-oh. hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh oh, kryptonite. Remember that last yeah. year? Yeah, I think the, the Ravens might have lots of kryptonites this year. The Ravens. I, I'm. The, I yeah. I think they. I think they got a. I think they got a piece of kryptonite up their butt last night, as you would say. Yeah, they do. I, I mean, the you know again, the Raiders, awesome, great win. To me, the story of the night, and I don't want to. I'm not trying to take away from the Raiders, but the Baltimore has been at the top of the mountain in the NFL for the last two, three years. I mean, 
you know, we expect them to be a Super Bowl contender. That's not a Super Bowl contending football team, what we saw last night. No, it's not. I don't know what, any other way to say it. You know, yeah, we know he had the injuries at the running back position. You know, the pass offense, Lamar looked good. I mean, he made a lot of appropriate throws. I, I don't know. I've got to watch the film more, but I don't know if I saw any new wrinkles or new ideas from that pass offense to make me think, well, this is going to be different this year from the Ravens. And then most concerning about the Ravens is their defense. And, Mike, this is something I broke down on my podcast. It's part of the re- reason I think I had the Ravens as the number seven seed in the playoffs to predict the year. The Ravens have personnel issues on the defensive side of the ball. I don't. There's no other way to say it. As you saw last night, they are incapable of pressuring the quarterback with four people. They're not capable. The front four has passed its prime. They really, they really are. There's no guy off the edge that scares you. And maybe the Jason Oway uh, from Penn State, the end of the first round pick, maybe he can be that guy. He doesn't start yet. But they're a team that has to blitz to get to the quarterback now. And you don't have the same cover guys you did, especially without Marcus Peters and no Jimmy Smith either to where Wink Martindale's got some work cut out for him, the defensive coordinator. He's not going to be able to play the same defense as he's been playing the last few years in Baltimore. They're just undermanned. And Marlon Humphrey can't cover all these guys. You know, you, he, one plays on Renfro, and then he's on Waller, then he's on Ruggs, then he's back to Waller, then he's on Renfro. And, and, you know, he'll match up against the best player as much as they possibly can, but it's the down-the-line matchups that don't make sense, and I'm going to be interested to see where this goes with the Ravens. I think they're going to lose a handful more games than we're used to seeing them lose this year. The offense had been besieged by injuries prior to the season, running back after running back after running back. You mentioned Marcus Peters, but they still have Lamar Jackson. Here he is from last night talking about – his fumbles, and by the way, he's only the fourth player since 1980 to lose a fumble in both the fourth quarter and overtime of a game. Here is Jackson on his miscues. That tipped me off. You know, I hate, I hate fumble. I hate any type of turnover. Um, but the the first one that tipped me off because we had them right. It was right down there. You know, they left points on. They could have scored right then and there. Um, that tipped me off. Then the last one, um, just two hands on the ball. Try to have two hands on the ball. Could have just took a sack of anything, but it happens. It, it it does happen. And here are the two plays where the ball got out. Now that that's one where it was uh, didn't yeah. didn't Exchange lose the fumble. That's second new quarter. Back. Right. 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 And, and they, they do a lot of creative things when they hand the ball off, and sometimes the ball's going to get tipped and it's going to pop out. Sure. Now there's one where he ran the ball and he didn't cover it up and he got hit and out came the ball. That's in the fourth quarter when the uh, Ravens were holding a seven-point lead. It opened the door to the Raiders tying it up at 17-all, and then he had the fumble we showed earlier in overtime. Uh, Chris, my, my big-picture take on the Ravens, and it applies to the defense as well, um, but specifically as it relates to the offense, they, they remind me of the kid or the adult. Lots of people enjoy playing Madden. But when you sit down to play a game of Madden and you decide you're going to use more of the playbook than the two or three plays that you always use that you found a way to make work, you're not going to revert to those. You're going to be more expansive. You're going to do different things. You're going to be more unpredictable. And then... You know, you, you sprinkle in those two or three plays that work and you remember, hey, I, I had narrowed down to those two or three plays that work for a reason. And as the game goes on and as the stakes get higher, you find yourself only focusing on those two or three plays sure, all over again. Sure. I feel like that's the Ravens offense. Like, hey, we want to throw it around. We want to do this. But when it comes down to it, all they want to do is let Lamar Jackson run the football. Because they know that that's their bread and butter, their play. Yeah, that's their bread and butter. It right. reduces the risk until it doesn't. But I just feel like that's what they do. Same thing on defense. Hey, we're going to use that all-out blitz. We're going to just like Madden. When do I use the all-out blitz? I want to use the all-out blitz. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. Even if they burn me on it, I'm still tempted to use it. I feel like the Ravens played Madden last night and lost and threw the controller at the TV. Yeah, probably. You're right. I mean, yeah, that that's pretty standard for any Madden. I hear my kid always doing that. He's always banging his controller on the desk while he's playing the game. Stupid controller. And I'm like, no, it's you. It's a stupid call. 
Change wait, your playbook, wait. Philip no, Sims. No, no tapestry, no tapestry of profanity. Well, there is, Philip but Sims. I've already used I've already used my limit here in the first segment, so yeah. I'll, uh, I'll try to be careful. Uh, yeah, filled my quota, as Pete would say. But I, I, I hear you. You know, Mike. I mean, I be, uh, hopefully I get to sit down and watch that film a little today to give you a little bit more answers tomorrow or Thursday about like what actual plays we saw. But it, it did. It had that same feel to where, hey, here's a few wrinkles. But, you know, when they would show replays of pass plays and people downfield, I'd go, oh, that's the Ravens play. That's that's what they do right there. I don't know if that's anything new. So, yeah, Sammy Watkins is there. Hollywood Brown looked good. They couldn't get Mark Andrews involved in the game at all last night. In fact, he wasn't even out there for periods of times where I was just like, I wondered if he had an injury that he was dealing with. Um, and then, you know, ultimately, too, you know, the, the, the run game started out good and dominant but the Raiders like to your point I think got a feel for those two or three run plays that they like and we didn't really see any like legit handoff run plays work a whole lot in the second half I mean I think you know and again I maybe I'm forgetting it was a late night and it was a long day yesterday but I think a lot of their rushing yards at least in the second half were more of scramble from Lamar Jackson more than yes. than anything, right? It wasn't like handoff or design quarterback run, which I also think is concerning, which also I think leads to, you know, nothing's working. Now let me try to make magic happen and get a first down and I'm getting tackled and I'm going to dive and oh, somebody hit me as I was di diving and now I fumble. That's what he's going to have to be worried about this year is not trying to do too much because I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be as dominant as we've seen in years past. Everybody's seen a lot of these runs now. A lot of teams have stole them. The quarterback runs, everything everything around Lamar, all of that. And we know the passing game from Greg Roman is one of the big questions. Is there enough diversity, enough ideas, enough schemes and things to keep defenses off, off uh, you know, um, off kilter. Kilter. Yeah, kilter. Thank you. So we'll see where it goes. I got a lot of questions about the Ravens, though, after that game. I know they fought hard, but it's not the same Ravens team we've seen the last two years. Intriguing bookend to the Thursday night game because I raised the question initially when we were breaking it down on Friday as it relates to the final drive of the Cowboys that put them ahead late did they take enough time off the clock? And when you go back and look at it, they really didn't have the luxury of taking time off the clock. They were just trying to stay alive and stay in field goal range. And as the case may be, get back in field goal range after they got pushed back by a holding penalty. The Ravens last night, when they set themselves up to go ahead 27-24 on a long Lamar Jackson run, they kind of went into a very predictable, protective don't screw anything up. Don't no, don't throw the throwing the ball is not even a thought. Just grind it out. We've got Justin Tucker whose range goes up to 70. We're in position to just, you know, kick the field goal and surely we can trust our defense with 42 seconds left. And they couldn't. And no. that's the bottom line. For all the all the stuff in overtime that was so damn compelling. The Ravens blew their chance to make it a walk-off win at the end of regulation. Yeah. They just blew it. And I'm going to go back and watch that very carefully and see where the seconds were squandered that could have been burned off the clock and made it even more impossible. But it gets back to that fundamental lack of – this is what should piss David Carr off. Sorry, Manchester, more than anything else. I, I really do feel like the Ravens emanated a lack of respect – I hear you. I, I get. I get you. I hear you. Yeah. I think I'm not going to say it was Derek Carr. I think did was, you think? Did you think the Raiders were going to? I mean, was it one? Because we know the feeling yeah. on Thursday night. Right. Cowboys went ahead. Huh, huh, One twenty-four right. in a timeout. Right. Tom Brady's going to do this. Did you say to yourself, "Oh, forty-two seconds, no timeouts"? But I know Derek Carr is going to go down and well, do this. Well, not to the extent of Tom Brady, but from the way the fourth quarter had looked, you know, really the whole second half. And the fact that, like we said, the only drive the Raiders were really stopped on was that one where they got down there in like fringe red zone area and missed a fourth and one. I thought, yeah, I did. Because I, you could see that Wink Martindale was panicked because he was going, man, when I rush four, their offense is good enough and they're going to, and Carr is good enough to where he's going to find an eight yard completion, a five yard completion. They're going to just keep moving the ball down the field. So, yeah, I did feel pretty confident that they could get down there. I did, just because I, I, I knew that the Ravens were handcuffed to a degree. 
They were gonna they were gonna do something, you know, to pressure or force the issue. And yeah, I had that feeling a little bit. It's not to the same extent of Tom Brady, but I do think your point's real. I do think the Ravens just kind of thought, you know, and this is what they do. We're gonna overwhelm you, you know, we're gonna get a lead, and then we can just call all these crazy defenses and it'll overwhelm you more. And they never even up fourteen to nothing. After that that drive there by the Raiders to make it 14-7, you got a sense like, oh, the Raiders got it now. They're settled in, and they got answers to the test, and watch out. And really, from that point on, they were really impressive. And, yeah, the, the Ravens' defense, I didn't have much faith in it uh, you know, after, after that point. One last point, yeah. and it's not in the outline. I'm going to kind of freelance here. We mentioned it yesterday afternoon on PFTPM. It was a Monday splash report from Shefty because ESPN had the game last night. This notion that Lamar Jackson didn't get the financial security from his second contract because he's so immersed in football because he doesn't have an agent. Look at how he got hit last night. Yeah, that's Look right. at how he throws his body into the fray. Yeah. Lamar, get yourself an agent and tell your agent to get the deal done before Sunday night. Get your protection now. This plays into the Ravens' hands. In this myth building of, oh, he's so immersed in football, it's not anything to be proud of. It's not anything to admire. It is not smart. He is playing Russian roulette with his financial future because if he gets himself injured, the Ravens will suddenly be immersed in waiting for him to get healthy again before they ever even consider giving him the money that he would get if he'd take a stand now. So I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm on record over and over again. Players representing themselves have fools for clients. Yes, you get 100%, but the 100% you get is often, if not always, a lot less than what you would get if the you would just take 97 or 98. Yeah, right, right. You get a hell of a lot more with 97 right. or 98 if you have someone doing it for you. He should have had that deal done before last night's game, and after the way he got pretzeled and twisted and hit and banged around, he should do everything he can, hire an agent now, and tell that agent, I want my contract by 8.20 p.m. Eastern on Sunday night. I, I, I'm listening, Mike. I mean, amen to that. I hear you. I mean, it, it's – come on. You know, and especially in a year like this where it looks like they might have to ride the offense harder than ever. And he's not going to have, you know, the break to say like, oh, oh I'm not going to risk my body. He just, it's not in him. It's like we saw last night. And when it's go time, it's go time. And when it's, we're down, he tries to be Superman. And I love him for that. I do. But yes, there is no quarterback that plays a more physical brand of football than Lamar Jackson. He's been fortunate He's amazing, the fact that he hasn't been hurt already. It is absolutely amazing. But, yeah, I'm with you. You know, I, you're an MVP caliber quarterback. You're a superstar. I know you're not an MVP superstar agent. That's one thing I know. If you are, damn, you're one of the most talented guys I've ever seen, if you can do both. Holy crap. But I'm with you. I mean, you know, again, $97 million out of the $100 million, is still really damn good, and it'll protect yourself. And, of course, you've always explained it. There's other nuances that these agents put in the contract that, yes, the players are not going to understand and, and be able to figure out. And that's no disrespect to Lamar Jackson or anybody else out there. I wouldn't be able to figure it out either. I'm just a dumb blonde from New Jersey. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm with you. But I, I would hope that he puts a little pressure on that situation. In my prior life, my business card said attorney and counselor at law, because on one hand, you need somebody who's going to go fight for you. On the other hand, you need somebody who's going to tell you what you need to hear yeah, right. and help you make decisions. Right. And he needs an agent not just to negotiate with the Ravens. He needs an agent to tell him how it is, how it needs to be, and what he needs to do to protect himself and his family, because he really is playing with fire here. There is no other way to put it. And anyone who disagrees with me, that's fine. We, we're, look, we have learned you can both sides anything in today's climate. You're wrong if you disagree with me. He's playing with fire. We saw it last night. He needs to get himself an agent. It's for his own good, and he should do it this morning when they get back to Baltimore. All right, let's take a break. Uh, when we return, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick is out for a while. Will Ron Rivera turn to a familiar face to replace him? And by the way, Chris Sims, not an accidental scholar today. It is just a Simsism. Psychoness. Damn it. Sorry, Chris. It Sounded goes in volume good. one, not in volume two. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
Ryan did sublex it. We are going to uh, put him on IR. Uh, he will continue his, uh, with a couple of more visits with the doctors just to, to get another opinion. I don't know any much more than that. Uh, we will start Taylor this week. He will be backed up by Kyle. And uh, we, we brought in Kyle Shermer as a uh, practice squad player that we're going to try and get up to speed. Uh, have him as an emergency emergency guy for now. Ron, do you plan to bring in anybody else aside from Shermer? No, as of now, no. We we we're, 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 you know, we got a short week. We'll, we'll go through the week and we'll go from there. Cam Newton has said from time to time he's one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. He's clearly a better quarterback than Shermer. Whatever Shermer's first name is, it's not Pat. What's his first name? Kyle Shermer. Kyle Shermer. Shermer. Shermer, the son of Pat. Um, But they're they're looking for someone to help get through the practice reps. And Cam Newton is not going to be the guy to help you get through the practice reps. He's not going to be the number two. I I think Cam Newton only ends up in Washington if, for some reason, Fitzpatrick is out for the year. He's reportedly out six to eight weeks. And then if Taylor Heineke get seriously injured that's the only way it's even going to be a conversation chris the big factor there and we always assume there's a past relationship so there must be interest in having a future relationship there may be some i don't want to say burned bridges yeah but fences that need to be mended not just between newton and rivera but cam newton and other members of the coaching staff in washington who were in carolina that is one of the issues that would be an impediment if and when they get to the point where they decide they need Cam Newton's talents. I, I would think so. I mean, you know, again, it, it didn't end with, like, you know, roses and flowers and a parade there in Carolina with Cam Newton and how everything went down really the last few years. Not that it was bad, but, you know, also, too, hey, Cam, at that time, he was the man, right? He was the man. And, you know, everything was about Cam, and let's, let's you know, placate to him and make the plays about him. Oh, wait, he doesn't do this good. Let's change the offense. And, you know, it was all about that. You know, and again, I don't know. I don't know if it wore out its welcome at the end of Carolina. Either way, I do know, of course, it was a very successful run there. But I don't think Washington is going to panic yet. You know, or I don't want to say panic. I just think Ron Rivera, he he formed a team. He believes in it, even in the quarterback room, and he's going to give it its, its due justice before he you know hits the eject button and goes, wait, we got to find something else out here. So it's a serious injury with Fitzpatrick, especially at his age. I'll be interested to see. You know, six to eight weeks now, if he is 100% healthy. And then, you know, what you can evaluate Tyler Heineke as we go here. It wasn't great the other day. You know, it was good, but not great. And, I mean, if he struggles again this week or Thursday night against the Giants and has another game maybe the week after, then maybe they start to kick the can on the conversation a little bit about Cam Newton and go, wait, maybe we do need, like, a legit – presence here at quarterback and a guy who's got a little more you know god-given talent and of course knows the system it's not going to be like a huge learning curve here i mean this is the highlight of heineke's day it should have been interception and went through the defenders both of his hands he's a scrapper i know that but the greatest game he ever played was that game we saw against tampa bay last year and that's not what we saw on a consistent basis anywhere else so I got to see it first to really believe that's the guy we're going to see, and we'll evaluate as we go forward, right, Mike? And in that game, yeah. Taylor, not Tyler, they know who we mean, went something to the wall or on the wall because that was his moment. That was his chance. Right. That's not sustainable. No, you're the right. The way he played that night against Tampa Bay will have them signing Cam Newton or someone else very quickly. You can't play like that every game. But that was how he secured a contract that made him basically the permanent backup in Washington. And it got a ton of rave reviews for him for the grit and the toughness and and giving Tampa Bay a a run for their money in that wild crowd. Look how weird it is to see a background with no fans. I know, it stinks. We've seen a full weekend of fans there. But yeah, it's Heineke and Kyle Allen who got plenty of playing time in 2018. 19 in Carolina after Cam Newton was lost in week two on a Thursday night to a foot injury. Talk about some symmetry there. It was that short week, Tampa Bay, Carolina, the Thursday night game, second game of the season where the foot finally went for Cam Newton, and that was that for him with the Panthers, and Ron Rivera would get fired later that year, and now Rivera has a quarterback issue with Fitzpatrick out. And, you know, we we played the video yesterday of Fitzpatrick getting injured. 
Look, coming down hard on that knee, popping the ball out of the socket. uh, And and like you said, age 36, 37, 38, that that may be something that that, – Oh, that's just the way Ooh. that that the, knee, yeah. the 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 bone jams up, and the the socket comes undone, and you do damage to stuff in there. And anybody's had ever had any type of hip injury, hip irritation, you can't do anything. No. So uh, I don't know. Is six to eight weeks optimistic? We'll find out. But it's a big chunk of the season. They got to do something. And for now, what they're doing is next man up. Yeah, it, it's a Tua injury. It's very similar to what Tua did in his last game at Alabama before Mac Jones took over. That you know, two years ago. It's very similar to that. Now it doesn't sound like he has like any, you know, labrum tear or anything like that. So that's a positive. But yeah, that's that's a serious injury. And then you know, of course, you know, it was his right knee, right? I mean, so that's I mean his right hip. So that's again his back leg going to be pushing off that, planning on that. That that I, I am. I'm going to be interested to see where where all that goes. And you know, I just wanted to like maybe. Maybe that's just you kind of hit on it just before we got into this subject. It's just maybe Cam Newton not telling the total truth about his foot injury and, and, and all of that was enough to piss some of the coaches off. Sorry, Liverpool, about you know their, their time. That was the start of the end for them. The fact that he kind of fibbed about the status of his foot, it cost them two games. You know, I mean, it could be just as simple as that. That you know, hey, you're, he was selfish. He just thought about himself and he wanted to play. I mean, it, it could be that, um, but we'll see where it goes. Washington still has a very good football team, I think. Overall, I'm not panicked yet. You know, but yeah, I Heineke, I'm certainly not sold on. I need to see more to go. Okay, wait, they'll be okay with him going forward here. This is an important early season game in. The NFC East, where the Eagles are one and zero, everyone else is zero and one. Giants, Washington, Thursday night. It'll be here before we know it. That should be a fun game to watch. And it's still with seventeen games. You're not quite sure when to panic if you keep losing games out of the gates. But you don't want to be zero and two. You never want to be zero and two. I don't right. know how many games you play. Right. Uh, but you do have a little more buffer to turn it around this year. By the way, by the way, I don't want to ignore the elephant in the room. It's well established now that during the season because of the Sunday night football final show on Peacock. Mike Golick is doing Mondays instead of you. And you apologize to Liverpool. I apologize to Manchester. One of our friends in the UK told me, because everyone's been asking, where's Chris? Where's Chris? Monday, I, you're welcome. All the, all the emails that I had to answer on your behalf explaining your whereabouts yesterday for all the people who were upset that they didn't get to see you. They have a term in the UK yeah. for people who only work Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of a week. There is a specific term Lazy for bastard. It. However, <laughs> no, 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 no. The specific term also has other meanings and therefore cannot be uttered on the air. Well, I'll damn, now you got me. You. Okay, you got I'll me all interested. The break. Well, does it matter? Does, you know, I, I don't know. Is it a don't bad guess. word here in America? All yes. Right. <laughs> Uh, I was trying to be subtle, or as you would say, subtle, subtle right. about it. So let's take a break. When we return, nothing subtle about the rumors that are already swirling. You take a Jaguars loss to the Texans. You take USC firing its coach. You throw it in the blender and press a button. And now all of a sudden, we're getting into some way too premature speculation. But that never stopped us before. We'll talk about it next year on PFT Live. Well, I've been warned for a long time that uh, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So calm down, relax, and, and uh, not relax, but uh, on, onward, soldier, move on. And uh, let's go Monday and get back to work. Uh, we're still a work in progress, as you've seen. I did not anticipate that today. I thought our guys worked really hard. I believe deeply in this team, and so we worked our tails off. We line up and go again. Urban Meyer wrestling with the differences between college football and the NFL. And I think one of the things he did to rewire his own mind and approach, at the college level, you lose a game or two early, you can forget about the national championship. The NFL level, you can still lose six, seven, eight games and get to the playoffs, and then you're alive for the opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. But you still have to win games. 
you can't and, and he corrected himself when he said just relax. Oh no, we can't relax. No, you can't relax. The train is constantly coming. Just like for the Ravens. They lose, they gotta get ready for the Chiefs. The Raiders, they win, they gotta get ready for the Steelers. There's always another train that is rolling towards you. And even though you don't have to win every game, you gotta show up and bust your ass in every game. You yeah. gotta have a detailed right. plan in every game. You have to be more like Belichick than Spurrier to win games in the NFL. And I think one of the things that Urban Meyer is trying to do is deliberately not be obsessed with winning every game. Yeah. Realizing that I don't need to. Right. But you're not going to win any if you don't approach everyone. That's the flaw in the mindset. Even though you're going to lose your share of games, you still have to be as obsessive as a college coach about each and every one in order to win enough. I know. I, I well, you know what? I don't doubt that about him. I don't. I honestly think, Mike, and I mean, again, maybe I'm crazy, and you certainly can tell me how stupid I am here. I honestly think he's one of those guys that like needs to tell himself to relax every now and then. I think it'll be a good thing, you know, where he won't, you know, you know let's be over judgmental of coaches over judgmental of front office and and guys who were scouts or who helped build the team you know over judgmental on the players on the roster altogether so it is yeah I mean he's been the the college man forever his team's always the most talented team on the field and or you know at least until they play Alabama or Clemson but he's been he's a dictator in college football you can be a dictator you can tell everybody what to do all of them you're going to sleep in that building. We're going to eat at this time. You're going to be here to train. You're going to go eat lunch. You're going to come back here. You're going to go back to school. You're going to come back again. And then you're going to go eat dinner. And then you're going to go back to that building and go to sleep. That's what, I mean, that's college coaching. NFL's a little bit more of a democracy. You got guys all different ages. They're getting paid a lot of money. A lot of them are going to pay paid more than the coaches. So you got to be able to give and take a little bit. And, 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 and then added to that, all the things you just said to realize like, you know, this is the NFL. You're going to lose a handful of games. You get, you got to be realistic. You got to be realistic, and especially realistic when you take over the Jacksonville football team. You're new, a bunch of new coaches, new players. Yeah, they got some talent and some, some positions, but it's it's young. It's it's going to take a while to to get cohesive and and really be a, a complete football team. So hopefully, he can learn that. You know, I I, I think of like. I still want to say I think Urban Meyer is going to be more Jimmy Johnson than Steve Spurrier. And I would think Jimmy Johnson probably had some moments. You know, we didn't have as much access to guys. But I would think early days in Dallas, he was probably yelling and cussing and going, what the hell did I do? I left Miami. We would have won four more national championships, and I came to this crap. I'm sure he had that moment too. So we'll see where it goes, but it's certainly interesting. No, there's no doubt. Here's the difference, though. Here's yeah. the difference. Johnson went 1-15 right. in 1989 with the Cowboys, but he went in there. And, and this comes through in Boys Will Be Boys, the Jeff Perlman book from 10 or 15 years ago. He went in there knowing full well that this team stinks and I need to go out and find, first of all, I got to separate the stink from the not stink currently on the roster. Yeah. And I got to go out and bring in guys that are going to be good. So he had a vision for what he needed to do, and he knew he wasn't going to just walk through the door, wave a magic wand, give a rah-rah speech, hold people accountable, and expect them to become something more than what they already were. This is a bad team. right? You can't just show up and say, I'm a good coach. I'm going to turn a bad team into a good team. So there has to be a patience to it. That That's the key. And the patience goes both ways. You can't have Urban Meyer say, I'm too old for this crap after one year or during one year like Bobby Petrino did. That's the name we need to be throwing out there along with Jimmy Johnson and Steve Spurrier because now with the USC job open, there is this sudden speculation after one game that Urban Meyer would split for Los Angeles during the first season of his NFL coaching career. It's ludicrous, but... Bobby Petrino did it. Nick Saban was gone after two years. He was miserable after his first year with the Miami Dolphins. He can blame it on not getting Drew Brees all he wants. Baloney. He still got Dante Culpepper. That was their hand-picked guy. That was his hand-picked guy. It's all revisionist history now. Saban was miserable because he preferred the college experience. He preferred the control he had. His yeah. wife liked it there better. Right. He was miserable, and he got out after two years. If Meyer 
is miserable. How long is he going to stay? I don't know. But it, it bears watching because here's yeah, I the one you. wrinkle that I don't think he banked on, Chris. The loss on Sunday to the Texans extended the Jaguars' losing streak to 16. Mm. They're only four losses away from becoming only the third team in the entire history of the NFL to have 20 or more consecutive losses. His name goes on that trophy. He's got to be beside himself once he realized how close he is to making a very bad kind of NFL history. Even though the first 15 aren't on him, yeah, right. he took that job with 15 losses in a row on the board. Yeah, well, hopefully he can he can compartmentalize that, right? Compartmentalize? I think I said that right. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Scholar. Thank you. But, yeah, hopefully he can. And don't get caught up in, you know, yeah, your name might be associated with that, but, yeah, you didn't lose the other 15 games. That's That's not. That was another team. This is a new era. And you're starting from scratch, blank canvas. So go from there. And and hopefully he can realize that. But, yeah, it's going to be an adjustment. There's no doubt. Yeah, when you're the head coach of Alabama or Ohio State, like we said, you're the king. You're, you know, your wife is the queen. Everybody, it's kiss the ring. Oh, hey, oh, yes, 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 sir. Yes, master. Yes, sir. Yeah, we'll do this. Yes, sir. I mean, it's everything. Everything's at your disposal. And the NFL, it's just not like that. It's business. It's business, day in, day out. Nobody's there to kiss your ring or do anything like that. And, you know, I hope Urban Meyer is not thinking about USC. Listen, if I was USC and Urban Meyer was actually thinking about going to USC, I would go, we don't want him. Because what, he's going to ditch them already now? He's ditched who and then ditched who before that? You know, before you thought the time was done? So, what? oh, yeah, well, let's hire him at USC. And then, what, two years from now, he's going to go, oh, it's too much. I am too stressed out, you know, building a Pac-10 power again. So I would be scared to death if I was USC anyways. I hope Erman Meyer can hang in there. I want to see it. I think he's a hell of a football coach. I really do. And I think it's going to be positive in the long run. But he's got to hang in there and take his lumps right now. It requires a rewiring of your approach, yeah. though, that, hey, he's not much older than me. I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't want to completely rewire the way that everything I do is done. Just for what? What do you get out of it? What, what satisfaction do you get out of it when you completely turn yourself upside down? And the other side of it, too, this isn't only Urban Meyer's call. The, the Jaguars organization, ownership, could look at this if it goes off the rails and just say, you know what? We rolled the dice and we got snake eyes. It's, it's time to move on. And uh, that's another thing to keep in mind. If this hole keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper for the Jaguars, if they get to 20 losses and more. I looked at the schedule, Chris. They're not going to be favored to win until week 12 against the Falcons. And by then, they will be tied with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of 1976-1977 with 26 straight losses. Yeah, They'll be trying to avoid pulling into number two all-time with a loss to the Atlanta Falcons in week 12, if that's where it goes. Look at that. Show show me the win I hear between you. now and week 12. I know. Where's the win? No, they're they're not better than, than any team on there right now. You're right. I mean, may, you know, I don't know. The Bengals certainly don't look like they're going to be a pushover. So I, I'm with you. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough. You know, it's it's again, it's it's a lot of new pieces there. You know, there is some, some young talent. You know, I had somebody yesterday too, you know, hey, go back and watch Trevor Lawrence, watch his throws. You know, I, I did that last night before the game started. You know, Trevor was good, but man, did Trevor Lawrence miss a lot of throws in the game too. That was the one thing that the person kind of wanted me to watch. He just goes, hey, you know, man, did you watch Trevor Lawrence yet? I went, eh, it looked okay. You know, I wasn't watching the worst game on Sunday real closely, which was the Texans-Jags. I didn't really care that much about it. But, uh, yeah, they're a work in progress. And you got a rookie quarterback where – Again, this is why I like Zach Wilson more than Trevor Lawrence coming out in the draft. And I made comments that Mac Jones and, and Zach Wilson were more pro-ready than, than Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was in a real college offense. It was easy to play quarterback in that offense. And I don't want to mean, like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. It's just they were talented. It was, you know, fake this. Look at this guy going there and that guy going there. One of them will be open and you'll throw a touchdown. And it's just not going to be that way. And he's hitting a learning curve, and his mind's probably going a little crazy. And that's affecting his physical ability, too. So Urban's going to have to realize his team in some weeks might compete and be good enough. But then he's got a rookie quarterback who's also going to have to take his lumps here and make some mistakes and miss some throws. And, you know, we saw that a little bit on, on Sunday as well. So it's a tough uphill climb. There's no question 
Uh, I just hope he hangs in there. I really do. And what have we heard? No offensive identity for the Jaguars. They get beaten soundly by the team that we all had given the title of most dysfunctional in the league by far. And it's going to take some time. And the pro coaches on there, like the Daryl Bevels and the Brian Schottenheimers, need to be able to work with yeah, that's Trevor right. Lawrence without Urban Meyer interfering, right. without him undermining, without him interjecting in a way that makes it harder not easier to get the most out hey, of Hey, one thing, and just they, those guys did a good job, too, with the offensive game plan. I just want to give them, because I'm, I'm sometimes critical of those two and their pass game. You know, and like I said, this person, I don't want to call them out, who told me to go watch the Trevor Lawrence throws. I, I was actually a little bit like, wow, there's some good play designs. It was a little more creative than I saw Schottenheimer or Daryl Bubba ever be. So that is a positive, but you're right. That's going to be a big thing, is those coaches who have been around the NFL, can they just get in his ear, Urban Meyer, and be like, hey, this... Don't worry. This is life in the NFL. Don't don't panic yet. Don't hit the eject button. This is this is pretty standard protocol for the position you're in here with a Jaguars rebuild. And hopefully they can get through to Urban that way. Quick break. A couple of NFC North head coaches weighed in on drama and quarterback decisions after bad losses in week one. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. 